We're in Psalm 122 this morning. Psalm 122. And again, if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Psalms, verse by verse, psalm by psalm. And the psalms are songs. They are literally songs. Unfortunately, we don't know the melody, um, but they are, they were in original context songs. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. We thank you for all you're doing in our midst. Uh, We are so blessed. We thank you for that wonderful night last night, Father. Uh, The women were so blessed. And I just pray for those seeds that were planted, uh, that there would be forth fruit, Father. Thank you for the word that went forth. Just a great testimony time. And just ask your blessings upon all the women as they meditate on that and evaluate that and pray about that, that their hearts would be ministered, encouraged, and strengthened. Thank you for no broken dishes, all that good stuff, Lord. We're just so blessed. And we thank you for this morning, that we can freely, still, yet, freely open your word, freely pray, freely sing, freely worship. Times are changing. So, Father, help us to wake up, to be sober, to understand the days we're living in, and to be on our knees praying. We're in a spiritual battle. So we pray even for this morning, Father, if there's one person amongst us that does not know Jesus as their Savior, today is the day of salvation. Today, Father. And so we pray for their souls. We stand in the gap right now and ask you to to just remove those spiritual blinders. Open their eyes to see that they are sinners in need of a Savior. And that's why your Son came to this earth to not play church, to not be religious, but to freely have that relationship. So bless your word and bless this time. Give me the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, again, just to recap a little bit, Psalm 120 through 134 is a hymnal within a hymnal. And they would have been sung by those pilgrims heading to Jerusalem for one of the three major feasts that was required for all males, Passover in the spring, Pentecost in the early summer, and tabernacles in the fall. And they are called the songs of degrees, ascents, or pilgrim songs. And also remember as well that we'll see three overriding themes in all of these psalms. Afflictions, deliverance, and blessings. And if you want to get more detail, we have CDs, they're free, and all the CDs are free. Take them, listen to them, pass them on about uh, the introduction to this section from last week. So, Psalm 122 is a psalm of David who loved going to the tabernacle of the Lord. The temple was not built yet. His son Solomon built the temple. So he went to the tabernacle, that meeting place that Moses was instructed to build. So a song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Notice the exclamation point there. You see, a few questions should come from these verses as the pilgrims were heading towards Jerusalem. And they're still applicable to us today as we prepare to come to what we call a church. We know the church is you. You are the church. But when we come to a building that's called the church, 
Am I glad that I'm going to the house of the Lord? And again, this isn't the house of the Lord per se. It's just phraseology. We know that God dwells within us. But you guys get the idea. Am I glad that I'm going to church on Sunday or or Wednesday or a men's night or a women's night or marriage enrichment or youth group or young adults? Am I glad? Or am I just going out of obligation? As I shared this past week with a, with a couple, that I was born and raised in a, in a denomination where it was obli- it's your it's your religious and this is the way they phrased it. It was your religious obligation to attend service every week. Your religious obligation. Really? Is it an obligation? You see, David loved spending time with the Lord and God's people. Notice what it says here. I was glad when they said to me, when other people said, hey, let's go to the tabernacle. Let's go worship God. And David knew, and they knew as well that they could worship God anywhere. I mean, we're going through the Psalms, right? David was worshiping God all over the place. But there is that point in the old as well as the new, and you're here, and that's why you're here, that we are called to gather together. We're not to forsake. We're not to leave. We're not to like, well, you know, I can have church in the mountains. I can have church on the lake. I can have church at my house. No, yet, yet in theory you can do that, but is it biblical? It's not. It's not. Read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will find out it's not biblical. And encourage those who you might know that are doing that, that they, as a member of the body of Christ, not necessarily a member of Calvary Chapel, but every believer is a member of the body of Christ. And in Corinthians it says, when one member is not attending, that that affects every member. That affects the whole church. Because you all, sitting here this morning, have gifts... At least one spiritual gift, you absolutely have at least one spiritual gift that God has given to you to use outside the church as well as within the church. And so the question needs to be, do you know what that gift is and are you using that gift? That's just biblical. You see, it wasn't something that David had to do. It was something that he desired to do. The house of the Lord is where like-minded people hung out. People who have similar vision for purity and integrity. People who desire to mature. To mature in their walk with the Lord. And, And now what I found interesting over the years is that the hardest part of getting to church or going to a home fellowship a marriage enrichment, or any other church function that, that, for that matter, is just getting out the door. It's just getting out the door. The enemy comes up with all kinds of excuses on why we shouldn't go. Kind of like, I'm tired. I'm tired. I was going to call in sick this morning, and Claudia said, you can't do that. You're the pastor. You have to go teach. <laughs> Last night was exhausting. Praise God. I'm tired. I'm just going to be another, it's just going to be another boring service. You stick around here long enough, and if you don't have the right attitude, you're going to get bored, because I'm boring. I don't tell jokes. I don't do dances up here for you. I don't have a lot of stories, because I wasted my mind in the, mem- in the 70s. It's just, it's just the Word of God. So if you're bored over the Word of God, take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. It's, it's, you know, it's just not a boring service. It takes too much effort. 
I got a shower. I got to get changed. I do that during the week. I don't want to do that on Sunday. What's the point anyways? What's the point? But I've also found that once I'm there, once I get my body to that event, it's always a blessing in some way. Last night, is it's one of my favorite events of the whole year. Literally. The ladies' tea is one of my favorite events of the whole year. I love seeing you ladies set up your tables on Thursdays and Fridays. and Just the little girl comes out of all of you. And it is so cute to see all of you acting that way. Just the innocence and the, and the beauty of it. I just love it. I love it. And here it says in verse 2 that the Muslims and Islam say that the Jews were never in Jerusalem. Never. Never. In Jerusalem until 1948. <laughs> Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. That's not Jerusalem, New York. That's Jerusalem, Israel. David lived a thousand BC. The Israelites have been in Israel at least longer, but at least 3,000 years. So when you see the media and when you listen to the media and when you talk with people and they make that statement, just ask them, do you have a Bible? Oh, yeah, I got a Bible. Do you read it? Oh, that might put them on the spot. So you might not want to say that. But just feel free to open up to many, many verses. Matter of fact, what you can do is go to blueletterbible.com and punch in Jerusalem and every verse will come up where Jerusalem is listed. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses in the Old Testament where Jerusalem is listed specifically. Do you know how many times Jerusalem is listed in the Quran? Take your fingers and do that. Zero times. Zero times Jerusalem is mentioned in the Quran. It's their third holiest site. Not their numero uno holy site. Mecca is their first site. So don't believe the lie of the media. And don't believe the lie of Islam. I'm not politically correct. I'm biblically correct. It's a lie. So here we see once again, our feet were standing within your gates. Oh, Jerusalem. And in thinking about Jerusalem, which have I've been to many times, we're going in in March. You know, when you step into the city, it is really weird. It's like going home. It is just so weird. Every time I'm there, I love it. And it's like, I'm home. This, this is, and then you think about the millennial reign of Christ, and that is where Jesus is going to rule and reign, and that is going to be our home. We're going to be, we're not going to have to get on a plane. We're going to have our supernatural bodies, our, our glorified bodies. Want to go to Jerusalem? Let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go to Jerusalem. You want to see Jesus? Let's go see Jesus. Cool. Not a ten and a half hour flight out of New York. Five and a half from Phoenix, 16 hours to get there. Praise God, we're going to get there. Bam! Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. And for those of you who have been there and those of you who are going, you're going to sense this. It's tight. It's tight. Where the tribes, notice this, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, the 12 tribes, to the testimony of Israel. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgments. 
the thrones of the house of David. You see, the people did what? They came to praise the Lord. And what a sound that must have been. All the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem, which would have been hundreds of thousands of people, up to, it's estimated by a, a Josephus, who was not a Christian, he was a historian at the time of Christ, estimated at possibly up to two to three million people at that day. And the way they figured that out is by the number of lambs that were sacrificed. Up to two or three million people singing praise to God, united, singing these songs of ascent to God the Father. You see, David and Solomon and other kings, after their reign, had their throne in Jerusalem, and it was for judging and ruling and righteousness for the people. Please remember this, because this is going to be key to my study this morning. Because when we make a statement, somebody will sometimes say, well, who are you to judge? Who died and made you God? Well, I'm not God and never will be. Can never, can never get there. But one day, again, during the millennial reign of Christ, Jesus will be seated there. That is a fact, according to your Bible. And the nations will come. All nations will come. And those who don't come are going to receive no reign upon their nation. It's in the word of God. We'll come to him for true and righteous judgments. Right judgments. Just take that, take off the us on that and right. It's going to be right. There's not going to be, well, I don't know if you're right, Jesus. Let's take this to the Supreme Court. Uh, no. No, you are the Supreme Court. There's nobody else that's going to be right. I am right, and that's the way it is. Verses 6 through 9. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. You see, David did bring peace to Jerusalem during his reign. Solomon reigned over a peaceful nation. But unfortunately, it didn't last long. His son Solomon, who was the wisest, he would start out strong, but he would end up very weak and corrupted, needed prayers for the peace of Jerusalem. And today, for you and I, we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and for those who will be affected by the decisions made about it, which will be coming out shortly. It's interesting that all the nations are going to come against Israel according to the word of God. And the main focus point of of that plan of attack is Jerusalem. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 12. Zechariah chapter 12, it's very important that you know your Bible that you study your Bible, and that you can reference your Bible. Don't necessarily reference the pastor. It's more important that you reference the Word of God. Zechariah 12. If you're new to the Bible, don't be afraid. Here's a slide for you. The team always does a great job. Take your time. Find it. Uh, Put a missionary card in there so that you can go to it quickly next time. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. 
Thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundations of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Notice, creation, not evolution. Creation, not evolution. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples. When they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations. All in Hebrew and in Greek and in English means all. Every nation. When all nations of the earth are gathered against it. You see, even though all the nations will come against Jerusalem, there will be one who rises up and supposedly saves her from her destruction. We're going to look at the tribulation time. You know, that person of sin known as the Antichrist will grant temporary peace to this city for three and a half years. But then utter destruction will come upon Israel for the last three and a half years. And it's believed, according to the scriptures, that two-thirds of the Israelites, those living in Israel, will die during that last period of human history known as the Great Tribulation or Jacob's Trouble. And so David prayed, and we need to pray as well. You see, true peace will only come when Jesus shows up to restore Jerusalem. That, that's just a fact. Our prayer should be as the Lord prayed in John seventeen three, And this is eternal life. Guys, this is for you and I as we go out into our mission field. We don't have to argue about Israel and Jerusalem. We know the facts. We know the word of God. What we need to do is compel men and women about their eternity. Again, as I shared with somebody this past week, I just asked them, are you going to hell? Do you you know if you're going to heaven? Would you go to heaven if you died right now? No. Well, what are you going to do about that? Because you are going to die. It's amazing. Ten out of ten people still die. It's unbelievable. What are you going to do about it? So guys, this is for you and me. Don't argue politics. Don't argue the feminism. Don't, don't argue the race. Go to the heart of the matter. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And that's why, again, we have the nativity here. God sent his one and only son. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, this is the only way to heaven. John, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one comes to the Father except through me. We don't have to go to the Supreme Court to find out what Jesus was talking about. No one means no one. No one. But he offers it freely, freely to anyone. I'd like to read you an article. December 5th. Christian groups fight back against Austin, Texas city code that could force churches to hire LGBTQ employees. Churches in Austin, Texas may soon be forced to hire homosexual and transgender employees, including pastors, if a city ordinance is implemented. The city says it guarantees, in quotes, the opportunity for each person to obtain employment without regard to race, 
color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, national origin, age, or disability, end quote. The Houston-based U.S. Pastor Council and the Texas Values Organization is suing the city and federal court over the code. Both groups argue that the ordinance forces churches to go against their biblical beliefs and does not include a religious exemption for churches in Austin that refuse to hire homosexual or transgender people as employees, including pastors. Austin city officials are not backing down. They defend the ordinance, which basically says that churches have no right to insist their employees accept and practice a church's teachings on homosexuality. Now, again, in quotes, non-discrimination is a core value in Austin, and we need to defend it, end quote. Austin City, uh, Austin Mayor Steve Alder told KXAN-TV. U.S. Pastor Council Chapter President Dave Welch warned that if the ordinance is enforced, it will be just a matter of time before all First Amendment protections collapse in the U.S. He told the Christian Action Network it's time for churches across the country to stand and fight. Welch noted that Christians can't wait and watch on this issue because this puts the church at large at a disadvantage trying to fight back when it's already too late. Now, in quotes, in the past, we have too often waited and watched from the sidelines silent. We decided that 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 is not a possibility anymore that's not acceptable, end quote. The bottom line is that the threat to any of our constitutional protections is a threat to all of our constitutional rights. Again, in quotes, Welch continued, he continues on, forcing churches to violate core convictions is not acceptable, Once government does so, all of our constitutional protections are essentially gone, all gone for all of us across America, end quote. Very interesting. Um, I'm really not too concerned about the Constitution. I believe in the Bible. It doesn't matter to me about the Constitution. And we don't need to fight, per se, physically, but we do need to be on our knees. And I hope that you are, because this is in in a city, in a state, in our country, where the government can possibly make it mandatory that a church has to hire against biblical beliefs. So I guess I'll be going to jail because it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. We love every person. God loves every person. But it's not going to happen. The Word of God is the Word of God. This is the final judgment. And so you need to take a stand. I need to take a stand. We need to realize we're in desperate days, guys. And this is not surprising. Jesus said this was going to happen. Christians are being persecuted around the world. Why not in America? Are we somebody special? No. We're Christians. So when you take a stand, when I take a stand, it's going to cost us. Praise God. Prison ministry. People need Jesus in prison. Paul reached Caesar's household while he was in prison. This doesn't fly on the Christian fiction channel, so don't don't expect to hear any of this on Christian fiction. But you've got to be in reality here, guys. This is reality. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good in verse 9. So that's why we're gathered here today. We don't bash people. We don't promote hate. None of that nonsense. God loves 7.3 billion people, no matter what they are, race, creed, color, LGBT, 
Put whatever letter you want on it. God loves them. But there is a standard, and we're going to stick to the standard, the Word of God. Psalm 123, a song of ascents. Unto you I lift my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. You see, this psalm appears to be written during a time of trouble. Living a life of faith does not mean that there will be no problems or issues that arise in our lives. Yes, believers have problems, but they know the one who can fix those problems. As Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Memorize that verse, guys. We have that wonderful privilege of being able to carry out, uh, to cry out to him. And in the psalm here, we see that people were mocking, they were scorning of, and disrespectful to God. It was quite evidence being the word contempt. So in verse 1, again, unto you I lift up my eyes, O you, notice capital U, to God, who dwell in the heavens. You see, when trouble came to this person, to this psalmist, what does the psalmist do? The psalmist looked up. The psalmist looked up. And when trouble comes into our lives, we will often look around for some type of other help and and finally look up when no other help arrives. And if we truly believe that God dwells in the heavens, as we just read right here, oh, you who dwell in the heavens, then why wouldn't we look to him first? I think there's an obvious answer. I think one reason we don't is because we've taken the time, we haven't taken the time to allow the Holy Spirit to build our trust in God. Hey, I've got a bank account. Hey, I've got a house. I've got a job. i got a 401k. In the back of our minds, we might not want to admit it, but in the back of our minds, that, that's there. That's there. Hey, I'm good. Everything's good. i got a job. Tomorrow morning, I'm getting up. I'm going to work. You hope. You hope. You sure it's going to be there tomorrow? What happens if they close their doors for whatever reason? Where's your trust? Where's my trust? Our trust has to be in the Lord. We trust in ourselves. We trust in others. But do we truly, do we truly, truly trust in God? You see, trust is developed only through times of troubles. It's easy to be a Christian on the good days. It's easy to have a smile when everything's going fine. Through times of tribulations. Again, you won't see this on Christian fiction. You should never have any troubles. You're a Christian. You're a child of God. Everything should be happy, hunky-dory, rosy. No issues ever. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Through times of sincerely walking in the faith. Not just talking about the faith. Not just, yeah, well, I go to Calvary Chapel. So? What does that mean? means nothing. Are you walking in the faith? Are you living out the faith? Am I doing that in my daily life? You see, guys, this is how we build our trust in the Lord. And when we do that, when we continually look to God to be our source of help, it is then that trust will become established and we will look to heaven more regularly. More regularly. Verse 2. Behold, the eyes of the servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. 
So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. And you might want to highlight that word until. Not just when you feel like it or I've done it this morning and now you know I just got to take matters back into my own hands. You see what 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 is given here and a lot of people would have issues with this because they don't understand the whole Bible. But it's a great picture of total dependence. That relationship between the servant and the master, between the maid and her mistress. You see, mercy is obviously the key word here. And so the psalmist uses two earthly relationships to emphasize our relationship to God. You see, if Jesus is my Lord, most of you know this, but maybe there's one person that doesn't. Jesus is my Lord, and when you look up the word Lord, that means master. So if he's my master, what does that make me? That makes me the servant. I'm not the master and tell Jesus how to bless me and how to take care of me. No, no. He is the master. He knows what's best for my life. I look to him. I look to him. You see, we need to become totally dependent upon God because God has the attributes that will meet our every need. Every need. Not just some needs. Every single need. And again, I know for you younger people, the Bible is being mocked, it's being ridiculed. Why would you believe that? It's old, it's archaic, it's outdated, it's been changed, blah, 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 blah. No, it's totally applicable. It's totally applicable. It's totally practical. If you so choose to make it. Verses 3 and 4, Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us. For we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease. With the contempt of the proud. See, true lasting mercy can only come from the Heavenly Father. And yes, we can and should show mercy to one another. But when we're being accused by the enemy in the spiritual realm, we need to know that God, it is God's mercy that is holding us up and carrying us through the current situation. That God is a merciful God. You see, our soul is exceedingly filled with the ridicule that was coming forth from the enemy. Their soul and our soul even to this day. You know, it's no fun being mocked or ridiculed. But when that happens due to our true stance for the sake of the gospel, I think there's nothing more satisfying under the sun. Again, not being self-righteous. We're not talking about self-righteous. should never be self-righteous. But just being right with God and encouraging others to be right with God. You see, if this was written during the post-exile years, then Israel had to endure tremendous hardships at the hand of their old neighbors. Rebuilding Jerusalem didn't come easily as there was hatred in the hearts of their neighbors, just like today. They didn't want the Jews there, and they certainly didn't want them to succeed in rebuilding Jerusalem. You ladies are studying this in the book of Nehemiah. They tried everything possible to discourage those who returned from Babylon, and it worked for a season. But God eventually, again, remember remember until in verse 2, but God eventually proved himself strong on their behalf, and under Nehemiah, rebuilt and reestablished Jerusalem once again. So for you and I as for believers today, God will prove himself strong on our behalf if we allow him to. We will be ridiculed for our stance in the faith. We will be mocked as well. 
but God will pour forth his mercy and by faith will pull us through whatever the enemy tries to throw at us. Psalm 124. Again, King David, we see a song of ascents that King David wrote this. And it might have been written after he ascended to the throne. The Philistines came against David twice in those early years of the kingdom. And both times the Lord, as you read, the Lord delivered the Philistines into David's hands. Even though we are not fighting a physical military battle like David, the Lord still desires to be our defense, our fortress from the spiritual enemy that is around us at all times. You see, Isaiah fifty nine nineteen says this, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, which would be the east, so from east to west. When the enemy comes in like a flood, again, you may have heard this verse, I encourage you to memorize it. The Spirit, notice, cap, well, you can, you're not going to notice here on your slide, but if you look at your Bible, it's capital S, which means the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. And we've seen this over and over again in the Psalms, that God will protect us. He'll build up that hedge. And again, it might not be necessarily a physical protection. It's always about spiritual. It's always about eternal. It rains on the just and the unjust. The flu's going around. It happens. It happens. A song of a sense of David. If it had not been the Lord who was in our, on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Notice that. Not just physical body, but soul. That we were defeated because God wasn't with us. No, God is with us. The soul. You see, when the Lord is on our side, it's impossible not to win. Again, you want to think about the soul. Not necessarily always the physical. There are several things that God cannot do, one of which is to lose a spiritual battle. And when things are pressing in upon a believer and they feel like they're drowning, we just need to look up and call out on the name of the Lord. Paul knew how to do that for he needed a lot of help during his life. You talk about persecution, you can check it out in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You can check that out. But let's look at Romans. Let's look at Romans 8, uh, 8 31 through 39. And I think this is very applicable to what we may be seeing very shortly happening even within our own lives as believer and even in my own life as a pastor who will take a stand for the word of God. Because I can understand why Austin, Texas is taking this route. I can understand it. Because there are other denominations and there are other, under the banner of Christianity, there are other Christian churches that are ordaining homosexuals that are ordaining transgender people. So I I get it. I understand it in the physical realm. We have to get it in the spiritual world. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. The enemy wants to destroy the church. You and I, we represent the church, the true body of Christ. Not Calvary Chapel. Every Bible-believing Christian represents the church. And the enemy wants to destroy the church. Because that is symbolic of God's love. So what should we do in Romans 8.31? What shall we say to these things? 
If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, so speaking of the Father, about Jesus, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also, very key here, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? This doesn't sound like modern Christianity, does it? But this is Christianity right here. Again, read Second Corinthians chapter 11 and see what happened in the life of Paul who stood for the word of God. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, key to that verse right there. For I am persuaded. He doesn't say, for well, I think, well, maybe... No, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And as Paul is writing this, he's writing this under Caesar Nero, who at his whim could have your head lopped off for any reason. So Paul realizes what he's under. And Paul also says to pray for those who are in authority over us. Pray for that guy. He needs Jesus. He's going to step into heaven, if he, or into eternity. If he doesn't know Jesus, he's going to hell. So Paul just says, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. 2018. That would be for you and I going into 2019. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Guys, don't be afraid to take a stand. God is on your side. God is literally on your side. And if this psalm is about the Philistines, David knew that they were a formidable force to deal with. Yet he prayed and God answered. You see, David had a life of prayer where King Saul did not. David kept the lines of communication open even during those times of poor choices. And in verse 6, physical beast, physical beast were a problem in Israel. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. So possibly the Philistines, but also there was physical beast in the land. Peter in the New Testament made a a correlation between those physical beasts as well as the spiritual one in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, like one, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, not steadfast in the Constitution. Don't ever elevate the Constitution above the Bible. The Bible came thousands of years before the Constitution. No, 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 in the faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And we'll wrap it up with 7 and 8. 
Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. And I have this verse highlighted in my Bible. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made creation, who made heaven and earth. You see, the enemy will set traps and sometimes we fall into them. But the word will teach us about those traps and how to avoid them. God delivered David and he will deliver us if, if we look to him. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. This is so applicable as we're living in such desperate days. Just the frontal attack, the blatant attack on Christianity. But Father, your word said this was going to happen, so it shouldn't surprise us, even though it does grieve us. It grieves our heart to see our nation that was founded on godly principles so far away from those principles. Even trying to change those principles coming through the front door of the church. Father, give us wisdom and discernment in these days we're living in. We need to be on our knees. We need to be praying. Give us wisdom on how to protect spiritually the body of Christ. And anything physically that we should do, Lord, give us wisdom and discernment with our bylaws, with with our statements of faith. We're going to take a stand, Lord, and we just thank you that you're with us and your Holy Spirit is going to inspire us. I just thank you for that, Lord. It's not what I can do. It's what you can do through me. It's what you can do through all of us. So give us wisdom. If it means jail, so what? You've got a plan. You've got a purpose. We just want to stand faithfully. We want to stand truthfully in your word. So fill us with your Holy Spirit afresh and anew. And as the saints are praying, maybe you're with us this morning and and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. I I needed a Savior in 1978. I received Him in the spring of 1978 because I finally acknowledged that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And there are people around you right now praying for you because God loves you and desires a relationship with you. But it's free. And you have to freely accept it. God is not going to force it upon you. So if you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, if you pray this simple prayer, and it's not about my prayer, it's just a prayer. It's about your heart. If you pray this simple prayer in sincerity, God will hear that prayer. And he will answer that prayer. And freely, he will allow you to be his son or his daughter. It doesn't get any better than that. So stop fighting. Stop stiff-arming God. And just receive Jesus. Just pray after me. God, I have to acknowledge I am a sinner. And so I need a Savior. I desire to be in heaven 
with you. And so, Father, God, I accept Jesus as my Savior right now. I invite Jesus into my life right now. God, I invite your Holy Spirit into my life right now. I don't know what that means. But I know you'll show me. I know you'll teach me. So I accept him. And God, I thank you that I can now call you my father. My father who is in heaven. Thank you for accepting me. And I am going to trust that through your word you will raise me as one of your children to maturity. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. It's a wicked world. It's just going to get darker, but that's when the light shines even more. So fill us with your Holy Spirit that will be a loving, not a self-righteous, but will be a loving believer this week to our coworkers and to our neighbors, to our family members, to our friends, but that will also be truthful. That there is a standard that we cannot compromise the standard. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. If you received Jesus, if you prayed that prayer, please come up. We would love to meet you and pray with you. Have a blessed week, guys. Darrell's doing a great job on Wednesday nights. We encourage you to come out Wednesday night for a study. God bless you guys. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain Over the hills and everywhere Go tell it on the mountain That Jesus Christ is born While shepherds Shepherds kept their watching For silent flocks by night Behold throughout the heavens There's shown a holy light Go tell it on the mountain
mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is born. That Jesus Christ is born. Amen.